This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we are going to be talking about the Houston Rockets and if they are the favorites in the NBA playoffs. Then we're going to jump over to our wet boys, the players that just absolutely popped off this week that had fantastic weeks. We have two new appearances Mm -hmm. for our wet boy counter, and we also have the 76ers with an injury to Joel Embiid and Markel Fultz return. we got to talk about the 76ers and their possible playoff run. Maybe they're going to be the third seed in the Eastern Conference. We're going to wrap it up with New York Knicks talk. I feel like we haven't been talking about the Knicks too much this season, especially with KP being yeah. down. We'll be talking about which prospects best fit the New York Knicks. But before we jump in to the Houston Rockets talk, First off, check out patreon.com slash Podcast. We have a ton of new patrons, and we love their support. We, we got, got two, two new ones. We got William and then Shane, uh, Shane O'Mac. We got Shane O'Mac Shane 25. O'Mac. So That's big his Twitter sh- handle is Shane O'Mac. Wonderful. <laughs> big shout out to those guys. And if you want to be a patron, head over to patreon.com slash Podcast. We have a $2 tier. Ricky and I just recorded the April mm-hmm. uh, Patreon-exclusive podcast. We also have a $5 tier where you can be a part of our Patreon-only Q&A. We also have the $10 tier, which most of our patrons have signed up for, where you're able to become uh you're able to come on a podcast of your choosing and talk to us about a topic of your choosing you also check out mostvalopodcast.com see all of our articles all of our videos all of our podcasts all up on that site and you could also buy some mvp merch over there we got the most valuable podcast shirts for 22 dollars if you want to rep some mvp merch also Rate us five stars on iTunes. If you're listening to iTunes right now, head over there if you're not and give us five stars to the Fast Break, the Primetime Podcast, the Onside Kick, the Rick and Johnny Podcast, and our new podcast that you got to check out, the iCast, uh, the Outcast with the Outcast. Buzz and Juice Man. Juice but Man? Anyways, we're going to move on to the Houston Rockets and we're going to be talking about the Houston Rockets and if they are the favorites in the NBA playoffs. They just secured the number one seed. The Warriors are banged up. LeBron and Cleveland aren't really a cohesive unit yet. They've shown some sparks, but you know, overhauling that team at the trade deadline, they're not looking as formal as usual. Celtics are dealing with injuries with Kyrie. You look at the 76ers, they're still young. The Raptors aren't really a sexy pick to take the finals, but they're still playing great. Nonetheless, let's ask the question, boys. Are the Houston Rockets the favorites to win the NBA title going into the playoffs? Ricky. I kind of like part of me wants to say yes, but there's a definite part of me that wants to say no. It's a hard hesitation on that. Like, well, the big thing to win the finals, no, I'm not betting against LeBron until it actually happens. I'm not going to bet against LeBron, especially like we talked about the East with the Kyrie injury thing. I'm Mm -hmm. back on the LeBron train for them to win the East. I don't think that the Rockets would beat a LeBron James Cavs team in the finals. But the West is kind of opened up now because the Warriors, Steph Curry, going to be reevaluated. It was three weeks from when they went ahead and he injured his knee. Mm -hmm. He's going to miss the first round for sure. If he's not, like, if the Warriors don't have Steph Curry out there for by the time they play the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals, (laughs) I could see the Rockets going on to the Finals and us having... Finally, a non-Cavs Warriors NBA Finals. Now, one thing, Dave, just to throw out there, I mean, yeah. the Cavs haven't, the new-look Cavs have not faced the Rockets, and the last time the Rockets and Cavs faced off, it was a murdering 120-88. So, so far, the Rockets are 2-0 when they take on the Cavs, but they haven't faced the new-look Cavs. What makes the new-look Cavs a, list, you know, a little more dangerous? Because we've seen LeBron James have possibly one of his best months of his whole career. We're going to get to that 
and your wet boys because he's been a three-time wet boy mm-hmm. in the month of March. <laughs> um, what do you what do you think is is a thing that's changed from the Cavs? You know, from deadline to post trade deadline. I think the biggest changeup has been the teamwork on this team. Really, it was coming into the season a lot of ISO players, a lot of um, egos, and their offensive setup wasn't really in a great. It wasn't really a great system because you had so many ball dominant players that could not work cohesively together. Right now, you have LeBron James and a bunch of role players who are performing at a high level when they're out there. Um, honestly, the athleticism, the speed, and the play the pace of game that they're playing up to right now is kind of remarkable because you look at that and it's like really LeBron James is playing a lot of minutes right now and you know his stats are out of the out of the world but it's a lot of minutes and this offense really rides on him the effort levels from the rest of the guys make up for it on defense he can still kind of go into that like I can save myself mostly but if I need to do a chase down block at any time he's still got it I think that the athleticism that guys like Larry Nance, Rodney Hood, um, George Hills, uh, being that veteran spot-up shooter, secondary ball handler, like they just nailed fit-wise for this team exactly what you want to surround LeBron James with. I think the biggest question, though, in that matchup against the Rockets, though, you know, former Cavs getting blown out, this new-look Cavs, we'll see what happens if that matchup does happen in the finals. What I would look for is to see the wing play really it's you know how well is Kyle Corver going to be able to sprint around those screens and get open on the other side of the court how is the ball movement going to be for this Cavs team because honestly like the Rockets we talk about their offense so much you forget mm-hmm. how good defensively this team really is yeah especially what they've been doing I mean the transformation from last year to this year I mean this team defensively has totally changed um and that's really a, you know credit to Clint Capella stepping up and being an absolute monster also Chris Paul coming over and taking some pressure <laughs> off James Harden I mean it's been a fantastic pair um but I mean with the Rockets too and talking about that you know, they haven't been a clean bill of health. I mean, you look at James Harden, he has about 100%, and Chris Paul clearly hasn't been 100% mm-hmm. this year. So are the Rockets kind of abstained from that, or are you worried about the Rockets possibly dealing with more injuries down the line, just like every other team has? Yeah, it, it's kind of weird that everything's kind of piling up right now, Ricky. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for me, the thing that I'm looking to is, I'm looking at Golden State versus Houston, because, I mean, the thing is, with just by saying, like, oh, an eventual... Rockets Cavs matchup. Yeah, I think that's slapping we're, the Warriors we're presuming in the a little face. too much. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I find interesting. This is, is a topic. Yeah, title about the Rockets. Yeah, so. you threw down the, <laughs> yeah. the Cavs as your favorite well, team, and which I means mean, well in the in the East, but the well, West, we're talking in the in, but the in West the as NBA. well. It like it's funny that since February, so since the calendar turned over to February, yeah, March 9th, it's the only loss for the Rockets. They've had one loss, and that was to the Raptors by three. Mm. And every other game has been a W. Whereas, I mean, yeah, the Warriors going dealing with injuries, but even their last what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games, they've only won three of them. Yeah. So, like for me, right there, that is it's going to be interesting to see just the remaining of the schedule going forward because, like for the Rockets, they have the fourteenth toughest strength of schedule moving forward where Golden State has the 26 toughest. So it's like Warrior are the Rockets if they continue to win at this clip, they just beat the Suns tonight before we out. we're Last going second. to record. If they continue to win and they have a tough tougher schedule than the Warriors, 
then maybe I would worry about Golden State going into a playoff against the Rockets because I don't think the Warriors are going to get bounced in the first round. Well, let's talk about that because Steph Curry is going to be out most likely for the first mm-hmm, round for mm-hmm. the Golden State Warriors with uh, him, him dealing with his injury. Um, the and, MCL? And the MCL. And, and looking at that, even though we've, you know, if they don't finish out uh, great, Again, mm-hmm. if they show enough in the first round, I'm not too worried about it because we've seen this plenty of times in every single sport. You could be red hot at the wrong time, and yeah. you know you can just completely crash hard. So yeah. the Warriors might just start hitting this spike, and we also see again Kevin Durant, very uh, you know Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, uh, uh, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. I mean, these are veterans when it comes to the playoff. I mean, consistent runs, yeah. deep runs. Uh, they might be tired from those runs, but Steph's going to be, you know, hopefully healthy and at least rested up as much as he can be at that time. So, do you possibly see that happening, Dave? Where you know the Rockets might be peaking too high and the Warriors might be peaking at the right time, or be able to peak at the right time, especially with the week schedule? I don't know if, and, and like you said, for other sports, it's different. Like baseball is one of the weirdest sports when it comes to streaks and how hot a team is running in the playoffs. Like I remember, like mm-hmm. way back to like not way back, but mid two thousands or early twenty tens, like the Rockies team, yeah, that was just straight fire for did, the last month they of just the year. Get bounced in the they playoffs. hit the playoffs and they just hit that wall. Mm-hmm. I think with basketball, it's a little different than baseball. For me, basketball is like, if you're in a groove, you want that groove to roll. And honestly, Mm -hmm. it's so much easier because there's less potential interferences. It's really just down to, like, can your team execute and do you not get injured? Like, baseball has so many little things that can happen. So I think that, like, for the Rockets, they're hot. I think that's the most important thing is that they keep this rolling into the playoffs because you saw what they can do with Capella, CP3, and Harden. Just if you do those three games, like, I think they've lost, like, three or four games all year when those guys play together. It's insane. Two things I'm kind of thinking. First off, I'm going to compare these two teams to a Final Four matchup we're actually going to see this upcoming weekend where it almost reminds me of these two teams could be like Loyola and Michigan, where Loyola, on the college side, haven't lost since January. Mm -hmm. Like, they've been on a clip since, like, right around February, January, haven't lost in the Final Four, where Michigan's a team, they got hot in their conference tournament, they turned it on. I could see the same thing for these two. Rockets more the Loyola side. Hey, ever since February started, we've been on a clip, and we're just rolling. We're winning games. We're the number one seed in the West because of it. Mm -hmm. Where the Warriors could be, all right, we're going to take a little while. We'll get our groove. Steph will come back. We'll get our groove in that second round before we play the Rockets. The interesting thing, though, is if the standings hold up like they are right now, Mm The road for each team could be interesting because the Warriors would potentially have to go through the T-Wolves, who people are asking, can they upset the Warriors? Then they would have a possibility of either the Pelicans or the Blazers in that second-round game. I would rather see the Pelicans if I'm the Warriors. I would not want to see the Blazers in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But then you got the Rockets. Yeah, I think they can get through the Jazz easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy, but then there's a possibility that you can— see Russ Westbrook and those Thunder in the next round or possibly the Spurs. I would rather, I would almost say I'd rather see the Thunder only because the Spurs in that second round, I would wonder if the Spurs would go, all right, a little bit of redemption here. And it's going to, emotion is going to play them up. 
not saying that I don't think the Rockets are going to get to the Western Conference Finals. That, I think they are. But with that, again, we don't know if Kawhi is going to play this year. Exactly. We, we haven't, yeah. That's a complete that's mystery right there. Mark. And the reason they were winning mm-hmm. that first game was because of Kawhi. And yeah. Kawhi obviously suffers that injury. And we You're saw talking without, about the Warriors in the, the Warriors Warriors versus Spurs, yeah. yes. You're yes. talking about the emotion of the Spurs going up against that. Uh, you well, know. I'm saying going up against the Rockets because they would play the Rockets in the second round if they won. Oh, my bad. I don't yeah. know. What, so what emotion would be going in with because the Because the, they had that series with the Rockets before. The Warriors were they should have they, been, they like yeah. the Rockets should have mm-hmm. beat them and then the mm-hmm. Spurs basically bounced them out. Yeah, they hard ran out of gas. Thing. Yeah, that, I was that just was thinking more of the, the Warriors Spurs. So yeah, yeah. That, that well, was, there's that too. a lot of different. That's a, that's a big storyline. What what do you think is the the hardest route though? Do you think it's the Warriors with the the injuries to Steph with the you know the bang you know uh, Draymond Clay and KD all being banged up or do you think it's the Rockets with the possible emotion of uh, you know the San Antonio? War- I would say the Warriors only because to me the Trailblazers are that dark horse. They're the they're the X factor of how are they going to do against one of these teams when the chips are on the table and it's playoff time. For me, it's 110 percent Warriors. It's not even close. Like this, this is a Warriors team that you know. Well, it's compelling what they're doing with these injuries, and you know it. It's hard to make a team who just dominated the NBA an underdog going into the playoffs. I mean, they just spanked teams left and right. Mm-hmm. But because of all their injuries, because of everything that's happened up to this point in the year, they are almost building an underdog vibe to them. If they're coming to the playoffs, like you said, they won what three out of the last ten. Yep. Like it is going to be rough for them. And I know like Quinn Cook has put up good numbers, but Quinn Cook is not Steph Curry. He's not in the same realm. They barely play the same sport at this point. It's just <laughs> I, I'm concerned because Steph is truly the guy on that team that matters. Like as much as we want to say, Katie may be the best player. Steph has the most impact to that team, mm-hmm. top to bottom. Uh, KD, I'm worried that this guy's going to pull a Draymond, and if they make a deep run, he's going to be technical fouled out like and miss a game. And, and just the way that he's kind of changed his whole personality playing with Golden State, it, it concerns me from just like, are you a smart basketball player still, or are you doing this because you feel like you, you, you're entitled now? Because of how good you are. I mean, this is going to be different, though. I mean, this is postseason again. Katie's been here before, and right, I, I he's know what you're saying. Technical fouls this year. He's close, but I mean, what? The, I know it the resets for six, the playoffs. Yeah, sixteen for... is uh, uh, instant one game, mm-hmm. so it'll he potentially could get before the year is over. But still, it turns into the question of like, if you're going to keep being this emotional in the playoffs when things get grittier, when things don't get called as often, mm-hmm. like. But Could we again, KD might change his expectations because it is the postseason. He's been there before. I mean, if, if you KD think he's is not just, a, you know, got regular season dog days mentality, I mean, it could fine. be. I mean, it just could be something that everything's been going wrong for him. And, you know, th- through the regular season, yeah. people get keep falling down. People get keep getting injured. You're not the best team in the West. I mean, your expectations could be, you know, just completely moved. But again, he's a professional. I mean, this is a guy that's been here before. You know, KD isn't one to know, you know, to let the emotions get the best of him, at least on the floor. I mean, again, seeing how many technicals he has this year, yeah. this isn't something that is in KD's natural emotions. So, I mean, this is something, too, with, you know, being such an experienced and veteran team, knowing what that Draymond loss happened to them you know, back in uh, 2015, mm-hmm. I think the Warriors at least are smart enough to make sure that doesn't happen again. Because, you know, if you're going to lose Steph and then KD for a game, let's say it happens in the first round, that's going to completely deplete that team. And, mm-hmm. you know, if a team like, uh, you know, New Orleans gets one win on you or t- the T-Wolves get one win on you, that could possibly be enough to just swing everything their way. And if KD doesn't come back and, you know, Jimmy Butler, when he's healthy, he's able to slow down KD enough, mm-hmm. that might possibly mean Warriors get bounced in the first round. That's crazy to say. But, again, I think the Warriors and KD thing, KD's going to be fine when it comes to the playoffs. When you think he'll with write it in a little bit? Yeah. I mean, okay. this, is, this is a veteran. He, he knows what he's doing in the playoffs. He hasn't gotten the let the emotions get the best of him, at least on the floor, maybe on Twitter, but <laughs> not on the floor before. So, 
Um, I agree with you that the Warriors have the toughest road mm-hmm. in, in in the playoffs, but that's just mainly due to the injury. Yeah. But when Steph comes back, and let's say he's near 100%, I mean, we've seen Steph before not be at 100% in the playoffs, and they still be fine. Mm-hmm. Let's say he's you know around 90 85%. I still think that this Warrior team should be favored in the Western Conference oh, because yeah. you know this Houston team's been fantastic. James Harden, Chris Paul, one of the best backcourt duos we've seen ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous what they've been able to do this season. But still, those are three guys in Clint Capella, James Harden, and Chris Paul. And mm-hmm. but even then, I would still take the four Warriors over you know mm-hmm. anybody. Yeah. I would take I would take Draymond Clay over Clint Capella. Is what I'm saying. And, and you know. The Rockets might have a better system. They might have a better mm-hmm. uh, bench, better depth. But still, I would take the four stars right. over the two stars. So, I mean, that's the thing. is, And plus, they have the, the veteran experience. So, I think a lot would have to go wrong for the Warriors to be bounced before the NBA Finals. Well, and for me, the thing is, the only matchup for the Warriors before a Rockets-Warriors Western Conference Finals that I don't want to say scares me. But I'm going to say scares me okay. is a Trailblazer Warrior matchup because I know the regular season you can go off of oh how these teams kind of played. I know the playoffs is a little different, mm-hmm. but in three meetings this year, mm-hmm. Blazers are two and zero, and the last time they played, Steph Curry was not on the floor, and the Trailblazer balled out in one twenty five to one hundred eight, beat them down. Now this is all dependent on if Steph Curry does come back for the Warriors, but let's say he doesn't. He's not able to come back for a second round. A Steph Curryless less Warriors, I know that kind of was a little too many losses. Mm-hmm. Without Steph Curry, I would almost get I would almost be worried for the Warriors against the Trailblazers. If Steph's out there, I'm not worried. So when when do you get worried? I get is worried it, if, if Steph if Steph is he's not projected out there. to be back by the second round. What I'm saying is if he's not, if he's not or if, if he gets he's reevaluated not clear and he's not ready. 100% I think the Trailblazers are the only team that could possibly take down the Warriors, a non-healthy Warrior team, before the Rockets. Is that the biggest flaw for the Warriors? Is just the the the, the injury and health problems? Like, what would you say the yeah. biggest weakness for the Warriors is, and what would you say the biggest weakness for the Rockets is, Dave? Uh, Warriors is bench depth. Uh, that second unit is. I mean, Sean Livingston's no longer Sean Livingston. Like, Chandra Livadala, the dream. Mm-hmm. What's six got man them? of the year? Six man of the year for, for multiple years. Like, that it's dead. It's done. You know, they had their time. I'm sure during the playoffs, maybe we'll see like a game out of, you know, each one of them respectively. But their bench depth has been gutted year after year after year. And at this point, like, we're bragging. I mean, Quinn Cook dropped 30. That was pretty cool. But like, he, he's a one way player. He's clearly not, um, you know, a starter level caliber guy. Even a six man is like he's kind of questionable. But like, they just don't have it. And when I look at a team like the Rockets, where they have fantastic rotations, their system allows for these guys to really excel. Their spacing, their shooting, um, that really is kind of what sets everything apart. Is this Warriors team? They have injuries and they have depth problems. That together is kryptonite. Like that's mm-hmm. how you lose. And it's just you have to. I mean. You know, you're gonna have KD playing forty something minutes. You're gonna have Draymond playing forty something minutes, and obviously, like if you can get the minutes out of everybody else, awesome. But those minutes are off the floor. I'm not saying it's LeBron off the floor bad. Mm-hmm. Like that plus minus was insane when he was off. But you're gonna have massive problems because other teams don't have those depth issues to that extent. Nobody's got an amazing bench, but same time, like. There, there are teams with benches that are a much higher caliber. And then on the Rocket side, what's the biggest weakness that you think that the Warriors or any other team in the Western Conference or Eastern Conference could really exploit? For the Rockets? Because uh, right. every team has to have a weakness. No, no you know? that's what I'm thinking. Like, so here's the, here's the weird thing. 
the Rockets play, they can play at the quickest pace and they can play at the slowest pace. And they flipped and during, during months of the year, they've done mm-hmm. both. And during those months, they've been successful regardless of how that's played out. I think the best way to abuse the Rockets at this point is to try to take out that shooting from um, Chris Paul, force the ball into James Harden's hands more than he's used to this year because he has gotten comfortable being that off-ball guy or at least a split role. So if you can get him with the ball in his hands more often, create opportunities for more turnovers, really try to pressure him down and wear him down because we saw what happened last year when he gets worn down. He's much, much more prone to make mistakes with turnovers, poor decision-making. Like He's played very well this year, but I think that's because during those games, like we said, when he has CP3 out there next to him, he is playing at a different level. I think that you have to attack Chris Paul to try to limit his role and force the ball through James Harden. Well, I mean, Chris Paul health in general, because like since the 20th of March, Chris Paul's only played one game. That was against the Bulls. Right. But also, how, how many important games? Well, like, exactly. The thing is, how, like, how many DNP coaches' decisions? Yeah, well, they can, and at this point, they can rest Chris Paul for the playoffs if they want to. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I think is the Rockets' biggest weakness is fatigue. Like you mentioned earlier, Dave, mm-hmm. one of the big reasons why the Rockets fell short last year was James Harden was just out of gas. But that was because he had no one to rely oh, on. I know. But like I look at this year, he's already, yeah, he's averaging about one less minute per game, but whatever. It's one less minute per game. It's in the same ballpark. So you're still averaging around 35, 36 minutes per game. In the playoffs, if you're expected to do more, and let's say you go up against, because the teams this year, I would say, except for the Jazz, getting the number one seed was huge for the Jazz, because I don't think James Harden is going to have to expend a ton of energy against a Jazz, a Clippers, or a Nuggets team. The Clippers will be interesting only because they would come in with that emotional, like, we want to take down CP. And they have a big to match up exactly. with Capella. Like, mm-hmm. That one would be interesting, but Nuggets, Jazz, I don't think he would have to expend a lot. If they had to go, let's say, second seed and have to go up against the T-Wolves, then it would be a different story for them when it comes to fatigue. I'm not too worried about fatigue when it comes to the Rockets because you you mentioned he's playing one less minute, but also, again, he does have Chris Paul to rely on. He's also played less games this year. Mm -hmm. He played 81, 82, I think, uh, for the past three years. Um, James Harden, that is. And then this year, he's at 66 right now. If he plays the next seven games, he's not going to hit that 80 mark. He's going to be a little bit under. So he's played about five less games this year. Mm -hmm. Again, I mean, that's not crazy, but he's still going to be able to take a break. And then also the addition uh, of Chris Paul is going to change that so let's ask the question and kind of break this down and just get mm-hmm. to the the true answer of this topic is are the rockets the clear favorites in the nba playoffs if are, are we saying the rockets make it to the western conference finals yeah no matter who they play yeah i think for me it's a yes yeah. okay the warriors are they a for sure bet to get to the western conference finals Nope. I'm going to say 75%, and it's all based on how Steph comes back. Okay, so let's just say it is the Warriors for mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Warriors versus Rockets. Who wins that matchup, and why do they win it? With me, it's it's nothing like a, oh, this is calculated why. For me, it's almost the same well, as Le- I mean, the what's, LeBron What's going to be thing? the reason they win? I'm not saying, like, you know, oh, they're going to shoot 50% from the field. In my head, 
I look at it where if it's if we're talking Warriors Rockets Western Conference that's what finals, we're talking that was a question I will pick the Warriors until I'm proven wrong like okay. it's kind of like a LeBron thing where it's like you don't go up like you don't go against LeBron I'm not going against this a fully healthy Warrior team not a hundred percent but mm-hmm. everyone out there playing right. I'm not betting against them until I am proven wrong and someone proves to me that they can beat them and not have LeBron James on their team. Been to three straight or finals have and they have Draymond Green get teed out of a game. Been to three straight finals still. And they, they still have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, mm-hmm. Clay Thompson, yeah. Draymond Green, which is still probably the scariest starting lineup in NBA history or at least NBA recent You're history. You're probably right. You're yeah. probably right. So, Dave, Warriors versus Rockets, who wins why? I'm gonna. I'll, I'll go ahead and put myself out there. I'll say the Rockets will win in a series. I think that this Rockets team was built incredibly well. I think the depth is there. The only thing that concerns me, the last kind of thing for them to hit this year is the full integration of Joe Johnson. Like Joe Johnson doesn't fit the scheme. Joe Johnson mm-hmm. was picked up as a like wild card. This guy's a veteran. He can knock down shots. He's ISO Joe. I mean, come on. Everybody loves it, but like. He doesn't fit the system, and I'm just gonna be that guy. Like that probably wasn't a good pickup. Like on paper, it sounds. Oh yeah, at a veteran score, great presence, great locker room guy. But like he doesn't play the way they want to play. <laughs> and honestly, like his first couple games, he looked awful. He clearly disrupted the offense defensively. He wasn't giving you enough. Um, so I think that. But is Joe Johnson gonna tip? He's not the scales well, the that thing. much. Like he probably won't get a ton yeah. of minutes. So that you know, if everybody's healthy, I don't. I don't think it's a huge thing. I honestly think that it's just purely the system works. The coaching is dead even in my mind at this point. I think that the best thing for the Rockets is just that they've done different things throughout the year. They've not won one way. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, the three ball is key to them. Them being the high-efficiency team of threes and, you know, dunks is awesome. But at the same time, like, it's just how it fits in. It's how they, like I said, pace up, pace down. They can match you. They can run with you. They can outshoot you. They do everything to the best level in the NBA right now. And like Ricky said, they've lost one game in the last month yeah, and a half. since February flipped over the calendar. Well, yeah, it was, it was since, yeah, it was since the Pelican loss, which mm-hmm. was uh, January 26th. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I think that that momentum, that that level of play definitely sets them apart. And I understand, yes, we're going to get, if we get everybody healthy back on the Warriors, it's going to be an incredible matchup. It'll go mm-hmm. seven. I want to give the edge to the Rockets, though. I think it's. I think they're ready to kind of take over the mantle for a year. I don't know if I agree with you, but I think the biggest thing will be the point guard matchup. And it's not only if Steph's 100%, but also Steph at 85% against arguably the best defensive point guard in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's going to be probably the, the biggest matchup. And I think that's going to be how the team wins. If, if Steph's able to come out and be efficient from the field and be able to move the ball and play decent enough defense, I think that's going to be the, the reason this team wins. But if Chris Paul's able to slow down Steph, hold him under 20 points a game, and hold him to an inefficient uh, a playoff series, which we've seen from Steph before, yeah. where he's shooting 3 of 11 from 3. If he's able to shoot down, uh, slow down Steph on that outside, I think that's what's going to be the, the, the edge over. And I think that it's possible, but I think I have to lean with Ricky just in the fact that, again, this is a Warriors team that absolutely ran through the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. And yes, the Rockets got Chris Paul, but does that mean that this, you know, again, we were calling this team the best team ever last year. Yeah. Does that mean that, you know, now the Rockets have enough to say that, hey, we're possibly beating the best team ever and we're going to, you know, be able to do it just in a year year span? I don't think that's going to happen. I still am going to lean on the Warriors side. And I think we're still going to get LeBron versus Steph and KD and all that. And we're going to get round four now between those ones. Mm-hmm. So. Totally possible. Yeah. I, I think just the weirdest thing for me is trying to figure out. 
like the one matchup you you think it's down to point guards. I'm my thing is like remember how cold uh, Clay went last year mm-hmm. offensively. Like yes, he was a defensive god for a while, but like offensively he shut down. And guess what? Like you said, they still have you know the best uh, offensive player efficiency wise we've mm-hmm. ever seen in Kevin Durant. They still have if healthy, you know, a Steph Curry. So I think that that's just kind of the weirdest thing is like that matchup for the guards is going to be so pivotal. But then you look at Clint Capella down low. Who matches up with him? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I want to go. It's like, is but, there... But also, I mean, I would let Clint Capella beat me up on the inside if I'm mm-hmm. able to slow down James Harden and Chris Paul. I'll like, trade two thing. for threes all day. Like, I, if, yeah, if, but if, who if trades picking, two for threes evenly like that? That's the thing. But hold on. The thing, the thing, the thing is, is with that is, if we're looking at the big three... If I'm saying one player can beat me out of that big three, you want, it's Clint that's Capella. the one you want to force them. Through. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you want you want to force them through Clint Capella. It's a big three in the sense of those are the three best players. But Clint Capella, to me, I don't think to anybody has proven that he could take over a playoff. Plus, series. have we seen Clint Capella in the type of stage and atmosphere that that series would be? I mean, not, like, not to this point. Last year's playoffs yeah. was basically his first, you know, coming out party. But yeah. you know, I just think that they've got the potential. They've got the shooters. They've got the system. They've got everything lines up. I agree. It would be a heroic takedown. We talked about the Rockets and they're the clear favorites in the West. We didn't get a clear answer. We're, we're not 100% uh, you know, on one side or the other, but that would, that's what makes you know, mm-hmm. this, this podcast great. We're going to give you all sides of the coin, and we're going to give you all sides of serious and goofy. And uh, if you see the thumbnail, you're now into wet boys territory. And we changed up the thumbnail this week due to the new thumbnails that uh-huh. Ricky made. Um, so you, if you, if you like the clip art basketball, drop a drop a comment in the section below. Uh, but this is now time for wet boys. Wet boys are the players that absolutely went off this week. If they dropped thirty plus, if they shot seventy five percent from three on five attempts, if they uh, you know had a monster week with you know. A, a crazy record or a crazy accomplishment this is where we're throwing this in there uh you know it gives us the opportunity to talk about the players that went off but you know not devote a whole segment yeah. to them or at least you know a whole 20 minutes to them so we're gonna talk about the dampest of dudes the soggiest of shooters the moistest of men the moist of men we're talking about the wet boys ricky who's your wet boy well mine is the king the ultimate king lebron james and with this the decree of he is now king of the mountaintop of Wet Boy Country or the Wet Boy Mountain, whatever you want to call it's it. Wet Boy Land. He is the king of Wet Boy Landia, as I'm going to call nope, it. No, nope, no, no. We're no, not no, no. Wet Boy Sorry. Land. But Land. He went off. He's basically gone off the entire month of March. And even tonight, although tonight's stats aren't in the Wet Boy counter for this. Yet again, another night passing LeBron Jordan with dub dubs and LeBron Jordan, LeBron Jordan, the only yeah, the LeBron Jordan, LeBron James. The only way I could put it is to quote the old Kobe LeBron commercials of "What do you get when you uh, flip twenty twenty three, Dave? Triple dubs, all the triple dubs, mm. and LeBron the King, he's on top." So since uh, three weeks ago, since three weeks ago mm-hmm. when Anthony Davis, uh, Devin Booker, and LeBron James were in the Wet Boys, LeBron has now had three weeks of being a LeBron, uh, being a, a Wet Boy. So I think that's uh, he did it last week, and then he did it back three weeks ago. And then mm-hmm. you guys, uh, we didn't include him on the uh, the the uh, Lyles one, the Jarius Lyles one, yep. and then also the uh, the two that you did with mm. uh, Lonzo Ball and, uh, and Demar Derozan. Eight honorable mentions. <laughs> that's how I yes. do. So, uh, Dave, who's your wet boy? My wet boy is Cat. You know, I'm going to show the big some love. I know I love giving him shit um, because he don't play defense. He's gotten better at that this year. But still, 
Uh, he popped off the other night, you know, just, just a simple 56 game, taking ownership of the scoring record for a single game from Mo Williams, who took it from... Corey Brook. Corey Bruja. The, all the great... The greatest Timberwolves, Timberwolves in history. Not Kevin Garnett, not Kevin Love, not, uh, not even, you know, fucking Jamal Crawford. Nobody. Nobody. Corey uh, Brewer. Corey Brewer, Mo Williams, uh, and now Carl Anthony Towns elevates his name to that echelon. I think he'll probably get his, his jersey retired. Maybe. maybe. Over Mo Williams, I mean, Corey he, Brewer. He shot insane. Um, this past week, you know, just 28 points a game, 13 boards, two blocks, 49% from the field, 57% from three, like... You know, just just a seven footer shooting fifty seven percent from three, and in that 50, uh, fifty six point game, he was six of eight from three, which is absolutely Jesus ridiculous. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, I told you this is why I defended him against Embiid early in the season. And who's I mean, healthy? Still wrong. Who's healthy though, Dave? That was still wrong. that was one we can actually revisit later on. The but, whole Embiid. Uh, yeah. Who's healthy right now? Cat. Cat. Yeah. Okay. So Jojo's out. so like literally like two days ago, I would have been right, but now you're now you're picking the fights. Just saying. Just saying. Both right. Jojo's missing time. Both are going to the playoffs. One, one's a defensive, you know, player of the year candidate, and one and of the most dominant forces, and, and one, one is just you know better Mo than Mo Williams. Yeah. One top Mo Williams and Corey Brewer. So I mean, with the respect like that. that. I'm sorry, Corey, like Dave said, Corey Bruja. Bruja is how you say it. Anyways, uh, my <laughs> wet boy of the week is a first time wet boy. Cat, weirdly enough, is a first time wet boy. Yeah. And this boy is uh, Trey Burke, the uh, the University of Michigan. Michigan grad, not grad, but yeah, was he a grad? <laughs> I, don't he I don't think he played four. I don't know. I don't think he did either. Trey Burke, though. He could have went uh, back and got his degree. I don't know. I haven't Wol- been keeping, keeping tabs on Trey Burke. The Wolverine, though, uh, the former Wolverine, and it's fitting because they're going to be taking on Loyola um, in the final four. Trey Burke this week went off for 24, eight, uh, 24 points, eight assists, two steals, 56% from the field, and 33% from three. I wanted to give Trey Burke a couple, you know, pieces. He's been popping off for some really nice games uh, throughout here. I think he had a thirty-point performance uh, this past week. He had, a, I think, a forty 42. a couple of weeks ago. So Trey Burke has been having a, a great year so far, at least putting points up on the board for New York when KP's been out. So shout out to Trey Burke, and we'll be talking about his Knicks a little bit later. But anyways, let's move now into the 76ers talk. Shout out to Jake, our patron, a big 76er he's fan. Cry- he's crying a little bit. Well, he was hold- excited, now he's crying. Well, hold on, he still should be excited. They, you know, they're on a nine-game win streak, secured a playoff uh, position. They're currently fourth in the Easter Conference at 45 wins. However, the dark news is that uh, JoJo Embiid will be out for two to four weeks with a orbital fracture. Orbital fracture. Orbital fracture. So Joe, uh, their best player this year and their best player on the team, uh, going out for two to four weeks, going to miss a couple uh, weeks of the playoffs, which is going to be you know rough for the Philadelphia 76ers. They're going to have to throw in Amir Johnson uh, like they did tonight, but they did get a win tonight, 101 to 90, 101. Uh, oh, uh, one, yeah, one hundred one to ninety one over the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, um, undefeated Atlanta Hawks. The undefeated Atlanta Hawks. Uh, but looking at this, how significant is the Joel Embiid injury for the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers uh, playoff hopes? Well, I mean, before I answer, I just want to say something. I want to speak directly to Jake. Mm. Um, I do find it a little like I don't want to say funny, but I he was after last week's podcast giving me crap about the Bulls like he usually does. Yeah, um, yeah. and how they beat us when Derrick Rose got injured. You make fun of that karma. The basketball gods come back and be like, "Oh, we're going to take something from your team," which is Joel Embiid. Tweet at me, Jake. But the thing with this is getting into the playoffs and their seating. I don't think it's going to matter at all. You want to know why? They have the second easiest schedule for the rest of the time. Toughest opponents they play, Cavs and Bucks. The easiest, oh no, they've got the Hawks. They've got the Mavericks. They just beat the Hawks. 
Well, they've they got again. well, no. Well, it's I'm looking at Tankathon right now, okay. so, so maybe they back. didn't have that. Yeah. The Mavericks, the Nets, the Hornets, and the Pistons. Out of those teams, the Hornets might be the toughest one. The rest of those are probably looking for draft position at that point. So I mean, the thing is with Philadelphia, they could be the three seed when it yeah, comes to buddy. the East. And the thing that could play into their favor, let's say they do get the three seed. Yeah, they get a Washington team, which I wouldn't overwrite the Washington Wizards and say, like, oh, they're going to go through it. But if they can beat them, then they could possibly get a Celtic team to where, oh, we don't know what we are going to get from a Kyrie Irving if he will be back by that time. We don't know the timetable exactly for Kyrie. I'd rather be the three seed playing Boston than the four seed winning against the Pacers and going against the Raptors. And most likely at that point, Joel will be back yeah. by, by the mm-hmm. time they reach the second round. Yeah. So obviously it's going to be massive, that Cleveland game that they have uh, coming up, uh, I believe, uh, I just had the date, uh, coming up on uh, April 6th. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a massive game. If they win that game, it's going to you know help them get to that three spot, mm-hmm. which is going to give them the Wizards team. However, Dave, do you think the Wizards are a tougher matchup for the 76ers, or do you think the Pacers are? Do you think they should be playing for that three seed, or do you think the, you know, like well, what should be the, the, the direction here? Because obviously you're not going to have to narrow, you know, having home home court, right. you're also going to have to navigate Joe's injury. So you want the easiest first round. You might set yourself up for a difficult second round, but I would rather have an easier first rounder be without Joel and then you know take the harder second rounder with Joe on the team. No, I, I totally agree with you. I think the Pacers right now are the scarier team. Uh, Vic has been balling out. I think that they've got good size on their advantage. Like without Joel Embiid, like Miles Turner can kind of take over a little bit. They can stretch the floor out. They've got good weapons. Honestly, the Wizards without John Wall have been very hit or miss. Um, One of the Sadransky, last five. Sadransky is a serviceable backup point guard, and that's great that they found him this season and mm-hmm. he's gotten his time and he's built up uh, to something now. But I still think that's a team that doesn't know how to close games, which is great for the 76ers who also don't know how to close games. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. I think the Wizards are probably the matchup you're really hoping for if you are the 76ers right but now. Let's look at this. I mean with with John Wall when he comes back mm-hmm. uh, when he when he's you know fully back and, and and you know integrated into this Wizards lineup. Yeah. I mean that's one of the most dangerous back, backcourts in the NBA with Bradley Beal and John Wall. So I mean you're having two stars out on the floor where you look at Indiana, you know, Oladipo's been great. Mm-hmm. You, you know, uh, Miles Turner's still a young uh, young guy on that team, but that's still a young team where the Wizards mm-hmm. have been in the playoffs consecutively yeah. for a couple of years. So I think that if if I'm the, the 76ers, yes, you'll have to deal with Miles Turner. Yes, you'll have to deal with Sabonis as well down low. Mm. You have to deal with you know the the, the veteran uh, heavy at least uh, you know in well not veteran heavy but you know they, they have some veterans. Bojan on that team. dropping that twenty five zero 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 game. Yeah, that's uh, pretty baller. But you know they have they have veterans like Al Jefferson. They have veterans like uh, Trev Book. Uh, they still have uh, Darren Collinson as well. Um, yeah, Dad Young. I mean, like they, they have more of a, a savvy team. Um, but again, it's 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 you know they're better players in, in the Wizards like John Wall and Bradley Beal. They have that you know experience together in the playoffs recently. Where again, this Indiana team they weren't in anyone's mind of making the playoffs this year. So that, that so I look at the, the Philadelphia 76ers, I would probably want to go up against the Indiana Pacers just because you know you're matching up experience levels there. Everybody eats. I mean that that <laughs> phrase right there. Uh, uh, I would would say if I had to pick between the two, give me the Pacers. And I'm going to give you the fan side of me first, and then I'll give you the maybe controversial side. I'm going with the prediction that I made from the beginning of the year. The fan side of me 
Go play the Pacers, be the four seed, because the Heat are going to overcome the Wizards to get the six seed, and we're going to see LeBron D. Wade first round of the playoffs, see if the Heat can overcome the Cavs. I just want to see that from a fan. LeBron, I, just want I know to you're see, watching. I just want to see from a fan perspective of that series of the Heat trying to overcome the Cavaliers. Also, an interesting question out there. Out there, mm-hmm. remember what I said at the beginning of the season? No, I said that the Bucks would play the Raptors in the playoffs, and who would win that series? Bucks and six. The Bucks and six. So you can get the four, play the Pacers, and if you beat them, there's a chance you might not even see the Raptors because the Bucks and Giannis could overcome them, and you're playing the Bucks in the second round then, and let Cleveland and Boston fight it out in the second round. I mean, seeing the one eight would be crazy again. I mean, we it's a very mm-hmm. rare sight seeing that yeah, eight the over last one. one to do it was um, Golden State over Dallas in 2007, right? No, I thought that the 76ers did a toss when Rose got oh, that's, injured. That's right. Yeah, yeah. so I try, I try to block out that memory yeah. from. My well, life. I don't remember. Was the Grizzlies Spurs eight one two? It was a two seven. Yeah, that's right. That was a two seven. I think it was just the fact that the Grizzlies beat the Spurs. Yeah, I don't think it was. Which I, was insane. It was a crazy upset, but I think yeah. I think. Yeah, so I think you're right about the 76ers beating the Bulls. But, I mean, again, that's a rare sight seeing an 8 over a 1. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, But, again, looking at it, and not, not to, to disrespect Toronto, but, again, we lo- looked very highly on Milwaukee. And Milwaukee hasn't been the same team you know, at the start of the year, really firing Jason Kidd. We thought it would do more, but it really hasn't. The pickup of Eric Bledsoe we thought would be nice, but, it, you know, again, hasn't changed that dynamic too much. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon has been hurt as well. Um, but still, having Giannis, having that star, you look at that 8 through 5, the biggest star on any of those teams is Giannis, and we talk consistently. Mm-hmm. Basketball is a game of you know, a game of stars, and, and having the biggest star probably in that matchup over DeRozan, over Lowry, in Giannis might play a huge factor into that series. So I, I think that you know, again, not only would I rather play the Pacers because I'm you know more inexperienced, but again, you might have the ability to take to on not the, play that the tougher team. And I did look it up. The it was 2011. Grizzlies were the eight. Overcame the Spurs in six, and then took the Thunder to seven. Yeah. That was the year that uh, run. that was the year that uh, Dirk beat LeBron in the Heatles in the finals. Yeah, I'm just saying the one eight almost happened last yeah. year as well. Mm-hmm. For those who don't remember, uh, Rajon Rondo almost schooled the Celtics. Yeah, but uh, oh, that aside, <laughs> I, I, I didn't happen though. It, we were weird. I was cheering for it. It, it should have <laughs> happened. That's the point. Um, I don't know, guys. I I think that maybe I guess if you're looking at Pacers Wizards Heat because they're or I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the three potential teams. I guess Bucks could you know jump up depending on what happens. They yeah, are like back of the Wizards right now. That's I, the thing. Like, I think the Pacers are locked. For me, the Pacers are locked at five. It's what's yeah. Go it's a four game jump. That's what's, what I'm saying. Yeah. What's so it's who go do you want to play out of those four teams at the bottom? No, I was. I'm going with. I think that the Pacers are locked at five. So yeah, they're locked at, four, at five. But that's the thing. It's who do you want to play because you have the easiest schedule for true. the rest of the year. Well, I mean, so if you guys win out. But right now, they're a 500 team without Embiid in the regular season up to well, this point. And the, may, so. maybe it's because I'm looking at no matter how the 6, 7, and 8 play out. Mm-hmm. Well, really, no matter who's at the 6 or the 7, I still think Cleveland and Boston move on. It's that standpoint of do you want to play one of those top teams or do you want a possibility of playing the Bucks? Because really, are the Bucks going to move up to 6 or 7 or are they going to stay behind the Wizards and Heat and be at 8? Yeah, I mean, that's—out of those teams, I would probably go with 
Like, the Heat are a team. That's the problem. Like, mm-hmm. they, they play team ball. And the Heat have win. the third easiest schedule. They're gritty. They, that's a team that I would not want to play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Bucks, Giannis, I don't want to play in the playoffs. Like, their defense is atrocious, which is the one good thing about them. Jamari mm-hmm. is still instant offense. Um, even though he's not been 100% when he came since he's come back, he's still a weapon on offense. Honestly, like, I just keep going back. I'm like, Wizards, Pacers, like, either one of those matchups is exactly what you want as the 76ers mm-hmm. because... I mean, we don't know what we're going to get on Mark Elfolds. He's the number one pick coming back, and this is a guy who was obviously the best prospect coming out, but he's also the one who hurt Joe, which hurts me a little. Well, it was completely accidental. It's not like the collision there. Um, That's the thing, though. I mean, you get. Do you think you you can tilt the scale a little? Well, I was going to ask that. That was going to be a question. I just want to to say, though, I mean, it's crazy, though. Fultz comes back after 68 games, and everyone's super excited. Joe's super excited. The fans are, you know, doing the skull chant Mm -hmm. for Fultz's name. (laughs) And then what does he do? His biggest thing that he's done so far in the first three games is. You know, bust the face open of jo- mm-hmm. Joel Embiid, and then you know, send him out for two to four weeks. And the thing is, is that you know, most of the, most, I think the first game didn't have a lot of Joe Fultz packages. Like Fultz and, and Joe weren't playing on the floor a ton. And it just happens, you know, one of the first times that they're out on the floor together, collision. That high pick and roll, man. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was rough to see, but I think it, it's a valid question. I was going to bring him up just because you do get Markel Fultz back, a guy that you know isn't still 100. percent It doesn't look like he's you know 100 out there just because he hasn't played basketball at a, at a level like this. Um, you know, since he left, and even then, it was he was still brand new to this level. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I've seen out of Fultz is the aggression. He's not afraid to attack, which is something that's been great. He's been a little afraid to shoot, hasn't taken any outside shots yet. But again, he's trying to build up that confidence still, um, and maybe a little bit too blindly again. You know, taking shots when he's very in close quarters uh, makes him, I think one of the least stuff the hell out of him yeah. uh, in, his, in his debut. Um, but still, the aggression's been nice. His speed has been off the charts. Um, he's a player that does a lot for this team, and he's looking defensively pretty good as well, um, which has been very impressive in the past three games. But I don't know if it tips the scales with with, with Joe being out. You know, I think it's beneficial, I mean, well, like, but you're still t- t- tossing out Ursan Ilyasova, who had a great game today. Again, it was against the Hawks. Mm-hmm. And Amir Johnson, who grabbed 11 boards. But again, Amir Johnson being severely overpaid and you know hasn't had a great season at all with the money that he's deserved. So... Looking at it, I don't think it tips the scales. I think it's beneficial, but it's not hurting. You know, well, it's not helping in the right way. Do you think way. they can get through the first? Do you think they can survive the first round without Joe? Yeah. Because really, okay, and that's Maybe. that's that's the question. Was because up to this point, like I said, they've been a 500 team without Joe Embiid. Mm. So going into a series where you've got to win four games, can they? You know, can you take four games off the pace? Can you take four games off the Wizards or the Heat? Like, and that's where I start to question because you know T.J. McConnell's dropped minutes because of this, which is probably for the best because he's kind of. I think a lot of the problem was Amir Johnson, him together, is just awful offense. Like, you get no good looks, and that's fine. Markel, like you said, the aggression looks good. He's smooth as hell going to the basket. And he's got, like, his shot count early on has been really high. I didn't expect them to, I didn't expect him to be a focal point of that bench unit mm-hmm. coming back. But, you know, 13 shots in his first game back, that that sort of sets a precedent. He did um, fire up a couple in garbage time, but yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. It's like you want him to get comfortable shooting again because that's that was always the concern. So I think with him back and I think the lineups that they could roll with with Ben and him at the two uh, can be really good. I'm well, still But on. do you want to do him and Ben at the two, one and two? No, yeah. Well, but, I mean, Offensively. We, we have, yeah, but we haven't seen him be able to shoot. So, I mean, he's not going to be able to set him up for outside shots. He's going to be able to set him up for possibly driving in. But, I mean, I would rather have, have Ben Simmons with J.J. Was, oh, we, I don't know why yeah. I said J.J. J.J. <laughs> but I would rather have him with no, J.J. Right, because right. you know, you know, Ben Mark dishing and driving. Mark is a six-man right now. is probably the best role well, for him. 
And the thing that I'm thinking about is, I mean, the thing that I'm looking at is, and this goes into whether they're the three or the four. If they're the four playing Indiana, that's the one I want only because I think it's the better matchup with Joe being out. Because if I'm the three, let's say I play the Wizards, then my guards need to be phenomenal because you've got, hopefully, I mean, John Wall was supposed to come back against the Pistons. He was questionable. They left him out on Thursday. I'm I'm assuming he's going to be back, ready to go for the playoffs. You got Bradley Beal, John Wall that they can work with. I don't know if I want to put my young guards up against that. The Heat have Hassan Whiteside without Joel Embiid down low. I know they've got other bigs, but without <laughs> that being down there, that could be something that the Heat exploit. And then the Bucks have Giannis. Like if I'm going up against the Bucks, I want Joel Embiid out there on the floor to combat Giannis. I think the funniest thing you said was about Hassan Whiteside because that is a man who hates Joel Embiid more than anyone exactly. I know. Exactly. Could you imagine if Joel wasn't out there, the Heat knock him off? Well, I don't know how I don't much, know if he plays hard no, no, if Joel's no, not there. No, but I'm saying, like, could you imagine how much that would, how would that, how bad would that piss off Embiid that the 76ers would lose to Hassan Whiteside with Joel not <laughs> He'd be shitposting, like, all day. <laughs> mm-hmm. He'd, he'd be, be on Twitter during like the crazy. game. Yeah. During the game, he'd be on his Posting times, he's posterized Whiteside, times he's blocked. I'm just saying, I got your back when I, I'm I just healthy. don't think Embiid, you know, gets it up without Joe out there to compete against. Yeah. I don't think he has that level of passion. He, he's but, a, with, with Miami, though, I mean, this is a, but a, they do a team. Yeah, that's, yeah. This is a the team. That's the thing. Is they're, they're, they're probably the scariest team. But I'm looking team. at, like, things that each team could exploit without Joel being thing, out there. But that's the thing is, is you know, you look at Philadelphia's inexperience mm-hmm. and Spolstra over Brown. Oh, yeah. my it's, God. It's not even yeah. a competition. Yeah. So the thing and, is, is that you're taking away Philadelphia's best player, and you're mm-hmm. going up a, a team that's not, you know, relying on one player. They have Wayne mm-hmm. Ellington popping off. Kelly Olenek can pop off at any time. Whiteside can pop off at any time. D-Wade, at some points, has looked really I good out D-Wade there. D-Wade will be able to like, just absolutely coast to the basket without having the Defensive Player of the Year mm-hmm. candidate in Joel Embiid down low to mm-hmm. swat away. Like That opens up so much for this Heat team. I, that, that's a team that I'm just going to avoid in the playoffs. That's the thing that I'm worried about. Like I'm not worried about you know Boston or Toronto or Cleveland right. going up against stuff. them. But it, it's it's these younger teams. It's yeah. the Philadelphia's. Mm-hmm. It's the the Pacers. Just because the coaching matchup is is off the charts right there. Because Spolster's going to win anything. You know, he's going to beat you know the seventy sixers. He's going to beat the Pacers. He's going to beat the Bucks. He's going to beat the uh, the Wizards as well. Just because he has that coaching edge. And honestly, I know this is like the segments about the seventy sixers. But I'm thinking right now about the Cavs because they could switch with the seventy sixers. If I'm LeBron and the Cavs, give me the four seed. Give me the four seed, us against Indiana. I know we can beat them with the best player in the world. And out of who we could play in the second round, if I'm LeBron, I'm not afraid of the Raptors. Oh, he just kind of made Raptors. a prove-it game against them yeah, last exactly. week. Yeah, so. exactly. So, like, looking at that— But if you're not afraid of the Raptors, you might not want to play the Boston Celtics where Kyrie's not going to be 100%. I mean, if I'm the, if I'm the Cavs, I— Pretty much in my head, have a stronger idea about the Cavs going winning against the Pacers and Raptors. The words like, "All right, Philadelphia, have the third seed. We will give you the third seed because we're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals no matter what." But I'm saying, like again, you're you're saying that you know Toronto's an easier matchup. Mm-hmm. But again, you're going to get Kyrie at his weakest when he's coming back, and that that would be in the second round. You're not going to, you know, Kyrie's going to be playing games in the second round. Well, if he's able to get to the thir- third round, ask- he's going to be more healthy. I'll ask you this question, retort, and, or to retorting to that, would you rather play Kyrie in the second round, or would you rather have Kyrie go up against two teams, possibly one of those being a Joel Embiid returning to a um, 76ers team, 
and then get the then get the Celtics after going through that gauntlet, then just playing them in the second round. I'll let them. I'll let the Celtics play the 76ers with Joel Embiid. No, because I'm before conf- them playing. I'm confident the Celtics can beat the 76ers like I with see. with Joe. I mean, like the, the thing is, is that Boston I think again that could is be a toss up. I, I don't. Boston's Boston, got so many people out though. It, yeah, but Boston still is a great team, and we're talking about an experienced coach. We're talking about an experienced team. Oh yeah, and we're also talking about again a team. The thing is with Philadelphia, you know, if you're able to take away Joe. You know, Ben Simmons has been great this year, but he's not a great scorer. I mean, mm-hmm. again, he's, he's going to be able to drive to the basket. We're relying but on Ursana Silva, Marco Bellinelli, JJ <laughs> Dario Saric. JJ to pull out the, you know, the old JJ's Duke, dropping 20-point games, like, all time. But, though. that's again, like, that's the thing. If, if you're putting, you know, if you're putting JJ Redick's usage up, I mean, JJ's able to hit shots from the outside, but how much can JJ win you a series? You know, that's what I'm saying. And, and with... But that they, too they is, surrounded Ben with great shooters and that are pretty good shooters in that yeah, respect. Bellinelli, Ilisova, uh, JJ Redick. Yeah. Um, but again, it's it's a team that still has a, a you know a turnover problem. You're you're relying on uh, largely on Markel Fultz, who again, like Jason Tatum's a rookie, Super but Jason Tatum's now. been here. Jason yeah. Tatum's been around the Celtics for such a long time, and again, he's healthy. I was we, saying, again, is he going to be like second most minutes for like a rookie or mm-hmm. something? Some crazy stat. So they're going to have these players that are young, but also very experienced. So again, I, I would rather take the Celtics when they're at their weakest, which would be in the second round when Kyrie Irving's not 100%. And mm-hmm. I would rather be able to take two games from him when he's not 100%. And, and you put that pressure on him early and force Kyrie to take over a game when he's not 100%. I'm not worried about the, the Toronto Raptors, you know, because you're just consistently beating them yeah. in the playoffs. Even though this Toronto Raptors team is a better version of the teams mm-hmm. that you've been playing in the playoffs, still, this is a team that, again, for the Cavs, and I don't know how this is turned into a Cavs conversation. We'll rear it back to well, the Seventy Sixers playoff thing too. Yeah, we'll rear it back to the Seventy Sixers yeah. here. But it, it, again, it's it's just the fact that I would rather attack Kyrie when he's at his weakest. Yeah. So I, I think that if I'm the 76ers, or if I'm Cleveland, I'm fighting for that. Uh, it would be the three spot just so I can have the ability to take on Kyrie mm-hmm. when he's at his weakest. So, And that would be the Celtics when they're at their weakest as well. Um, but with the 76ers, are we confident in their ability to possibly get to the Eastern Conference Finals? Or is it first round, and then when you're going up against a Boston, Toronto, or Cleveland, that's when you're probably going to get kicked out? I'm going to say if they are the three... Meh. I'm going to say, and this is going to sound kind of backwards, backwards to say mm-hmm. if they're the four seed i have higher confidence of them getting to the eastern conference finals than i do if they're the three seed because i'd like their matchup better against the pacers and maybe the bucks if not the raptors than i do anyone three through eight well i mean the bucks throw like wizards and heat as a three seed and then either um the celtics or whoever they play in the second round I think you're playing with house money. It doesn't really matter. They, no one expected you to be here. No one expected mm-hmm. you to win 40 games, let alone the potential 50 they could walk away with if they close out that season on a high note. I think that what they've done this year is impressive. I think the coaching was impressive, and the player development has been incredible. I honestly think that going in, the first round is a toss-up. I wouldn't give them an advantage. I don't know if they make it out of the first round. Especially with Joe being out. That that exactly with Joe out. I think with Joe and it's a, a different story, and a case can be made for them to be the clear favorites over a team. But mm-hmm. with him not there or not guaranteed to be there, uh, I can't give them a like. No, you guys are you guys are locked for the Eastern Conference Finals or anything like that. It's just no. I'm being honest. Like you're a young team, you've exceeded expectations. I think you're in the playoffs. You know, like it's the year too early almost. Like this is your test year to see like how well can these guys do, get their playoff experience in. 
and really see where they're at kind of you know find out what you need to go buy in free agency find mm-hmm. out what you're going to do with that you know top 10 pick that you're going to walk away from this lottery with so i think there's so much to be happy about that like even if they don't make it out of the first round like this is still a huge win for the sixers but if jojo's back like i mean eastern conference finals is the cap and final thoughts from me on this whole 76er talk. I hope Markel Fultz comes back and pops off. I hope he has absolutely. at least one 20-point performance because I've been absolutely in love and watching 76ers games more just because Fultz has been back. Uh, but again, I, I'm kind of in the same camp as Dave. You're, the fact that you're here is ridiculous. Um, not ridiculous, but it, it's impressive. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know, with Embiid being hurt, it's going to be tough to get him back in the lineup get him back. And again, it's not a leg injury or a back injury. It's a face injury. It's going to be easy to recover from. But Mast Embiid, yes. is he going to be like, you know, Rip Hamilton out there? Or is it just going to be is something that's going to bother him? I mean, or Kobe Mask? Like, yeah. They each bust out games with masks. I'm I mean, like, saying. again, this could be a thing that, the Kylo you know, mask <laughs> just brings Kylo. It could be a thing where, you know, again, I think it's, I think it's just a lot going on. And outside of Joe, there's not a, a, a true score for them like like I, there's not a guy that i'm trusting with the ball late in hands and then even then like you know joe am i gonna who who's taking that last shot for me it's probably gonna be jj reddick yeah and jj again is a known choker in the second round just because Ooh. of the clippers but anyways let's move into the final topic we're talking about the new york knicks it's been a very uh light knicks season felt like last year we were talking about them every single week but this year we were talking about the new york knicks and their draft picks right now they currently sit ninth in the nba draft lottery or they you know Stand with odds. So right now they are projected to get the ninth pick if everything plays out the same way. And the Knicks do have some promising pieces. Frank has been on and off this year. He's shown some nice spots. Um, Chris Stapps, obviously one of the best big men when healthy. That's a big uh, if, though, um, on him. Uh, you look at Enos Cancer has been nice coming over. Tim Hardaway Jr. got paid. Uh, you know, they have Trey Burke, who's popped off every now and then. Uh, but this team still needs extra pieces. And, and looking at a top 10 pick for this team, you got to look at which prospects are going to bolster them for the future. Looking at this team, what do you think is a, at least a position that they need to address uh, for, for both of you guys? Let's not talk about players yet, but at least positions. What do you think is one aspect this team needs to add? Well, I mean, for me, it's got to be I almost go for like almost a small forward or a wing type player because like I look at this team. It's like last year you got Frank to be your point guard of the future, whether he's playing the two right now and you're going to move him over to the one for the future. But the big thing is. You've got Chris Stops down low. I'm going with a guy who is who's going to be there too. Where it's like I'm not necessarily going to go with a point guard like a Colin Sexton or a Shea Gilgis because I don't need that. I just got Frank last year. I'm going to go with a small forward type player because that's probably who's going to be there. That's around the type of players that'll be at nine: a Kevin Knox, a Mikhail Bridges, a Miles Bridges. So that's what I'm targeting targeting at nine if I'm the Knicks. So you're based off of what you think will be their availability wise. Yeah, not I mean, necessarily what they need the most. Well, it's it's the Knicks are in a weird spot to where if they're at nine, mm-hmm. it's are you going to like? Are you going to dive and take a reach for me? Which are you going to go take a big that might be a reach around well, just a answer, Robert what do they need? I would say small forward. That you was think my small? answer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's all I was looking for. Yeah. You, it sound like you're basing more off what you no, have your like, projection on your I would go small forward, forward, and it would be either McHale or My- Miles. So that's what I'm going. Do you agree with small forward? Yeah, I think that's that's by far their biggest need because Tim Hardaway Jr. can't really play the three uh, legitimately. Um, and like Ricky said, with Frank splitting time at the two. It kind of shifts your lineup in a way that you're not really in a great setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need a three, and 
you know, it's a question mark if you believe Frank's development. I do. I think he will be the future one. So, yeah, I think that I'm looking at this team going, you either need a five or a three. You, so you're writing one off the board. Yeah. Yeah, because I think Trey Burke has been serviceable. You can bring him back. You still got Moutier under contract next year. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's necessarily going to develop um, into anything more than a six-man role. But still, I, I think between those three guys, I would let that play for a full year. In you know a year where you're not just actively trying to lose games. Yeah, I think that that sort of hurts some guys. Um, but I think with those three guys, another year under their belt, you'll see and you'll have another a better idea of what to do. You have Courtney Lee as well at the the two spot as well because he's been he's been having a nice season. Yeah, uh, and he's, Surprise, he's got, I'm surprised he didn't get traded. Yeah, honestly. I think he's got two more years left on that. Uh, contract. Yeah, he's under contract uh, next year and the following. Yeah, and then Joe has two more years, unfortunately, Jeez. with that terrible contract that signed him to. Uh, but I, again, I, I think that you can't really write one off the table. You know, okay. again, I know you drafted Frank with the idea of him being your future point mm-hmm. guard. Um, but the one thing that he came out and showed, not only when he was a prospect, but also this year so far, is that defensive oh, yeah. side to him. Um, however, I don't know if that offensive side will ever be there. And if it is, to what extent will it be there? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be a 15-point scorer ever in his career. He might yeah. reach up to 13, maybe 12. I think he might be a decent facilitator. I think the biggest thing that you need to do, and maybe he's a little bit of a combo guard, maybe he runs the the, the point when you know your, your true point guard's off, but... I'm not baking on a guy in Trey Burke who, you know, again, we're, he's playing that position right now because we're tanking. He's having this high usage because Kristaps is out. How mm-hmm. is Trey Burke and Kristaps going to mesh together? I think that you can't really write one off the board because if you have a facilitator and you have a person who could score at that guard position, and then you can also at least pair him with a, a, a guy in Frank who is a big, lengthy uh, lanky, great defender. Uh, I think that you can have a dangerous guard duo. And then pairing that with Kristaps and Enos, uh, if they do bring Enos back, um, could be absolutely fantastic. And, you know, Trim, Trim, uh, Tim Hardaway, if he's not able to play the three, you could still look to, you know, him coming off the bench or, you know, what? I mean, you're paying him $18 million, but again, this is he, a team that you're going to have to hit he the, come off the bench. Again, I mean, like, I'm not saying. <laughs> I think that Tim Hardaway Jr., though, is, is not, a, again, he's fairly young, but. Again, I don't know if you really need to be putting him into your future plans. Like, I, I would rather have Enos. I would rather have Kristaps. I would rather have Frank. And I would rather have a one, if we draft a one, okay. be the guy, be the four on the floor. And, and maybe you try to fit Tim at the three again, and maybe having a true facilitator will open him up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, I don't know if that is really going to be the, the, the right move. Again, three can be on the board, but let's look at the players that are going to be uh, available there. Looking at uh, our mock drafts, last time we did a mock draft, uh, mm-hmm. The Knicks were at eight. I had him taking Trey Young. Uh, Ricky, you had him taking Mikael Bridges. And Dave, you had them taking uh, Mikael Bridges as well. However, Trey Young was off the board um, for both of your mock drafts. And Mikael was off the board for me because the Kings took him a position before. But Miles was on the board. So let's pose the question here. Colin Sexton, Trey Young, and Miles Bridges are on the board mm-hmm. for the Knicks at nine. We'll say Mikael's off the board. Uh, he's already been drafted. And let's just say for some reason Trey Young has been drafted as well. Those three are on the board. Which player are you going with? Are you going to try to fit that three role with Miles Bridges? Are you going to go with a player in Trey Young or Colin Sexton who could be a true number one so for the future? you said McHale's off the board? McHale's off the McHale board. McHale will be off by the ninth. I'm pick, going— 100%. So I'm, I'm picking basically between Sexton, Young, and— Sexton, Young, and, and Miles. Miles. Oh, you Those pull, are you can you can yeah, throw it if you have a wild point. card too of like a Wendell Carter. Is if Young's available at nine, I go Trey Young. Like to me, because of the ceiling that I can see of the potential for Trey Young, I do not pass on him. However, for me, I don't think he's going to be there at nine. But if he is, 
that's who you go with. And the interesting thing with, like you were saying, with the you would go point guard in the first round, I don't necessarily think they have to because if you're not sold on Frank, I'm looking at an article um, from DailyKnicks.com, and one guy they bring up who I loved, he's not going to be a first-round talent, but they can take him in the second round, is a Tony Carr from Penn State. Well, let's focus on the first yeah, round Yeah, I know, but I mean, like, that's another thing that plays into what they do. So for me, if Trey Young is there, like you just said, I take Trey Young. But if it's not Trey Young, and most mock drafts have it to where it's going to be either the two Bridges or like a Wendell Carter or something, mm-hmm. with Sexton also being there, I would go with one of the Bridges and then maybe get a point guard in the second. Who gives a shit about the other mock drafts? Look at the three that we did. Well, no, no, we, we did. We're doing it right even, here. Even ours, I didn't. None of us had Trey Young going to nine overall. Well, I didn't well, I mean, because the Knicks took him at yeah, eight. But what I'm saying is like. I don't think Trey Young gets to that point, so I think it's going to be I'm going to take one of the bridges at nine, and if I want to deal with a point guard, I'll do it in the second well, round. Well, let's look at this though. Let's look at let's look at and mm-hmm. let's just put them at nine because they're at nine yeah. right now, and we'll we'll widen this out because they can move up, they can mm-hmm. win the lottery too. Uh, that's possible, and they could lose more games and even fall out of the top ten. But let's just let's nail them into nine right now. Mm-hmm. Number one, Luca or Aiton's going. Number two, Luca or Aiton's going. Yeah. Uh, so then Memphis. You know, Porter Jr. is most likely going to be off, or uh, we can throw in uh, Triple you know, J. Triple J. We can also throw in Bagley. Yep. Uh, Orlando, we can take off, you know, possibly Trey Young there. Um, That's then, the earliest I could see him going, yeah. But then we can go uh, MPJ, uh, JJJ, or uh, Bagley as well. Then Dallas, Bombo, you know, starts to put his, Andrew, put his yep. name in there. Uh, MPJ still sticks around, any of those guys. Sacramento, and then Bridges comes back around as well, mm-hmm. both of them. Uh, probably, I would say, McHale goes there. Seven, if Bomba's still around, I think Cleveland could possibly go with Mo Bamba. They could even trade that pick. Um, and then eight, the Bridges might be off by then. And you might have to go with a Colin Sexton at that point. Um, so... Again, it, it, it's difficult to really nail in what's going to happen at nine. But you know, if both of the bridges are gone because mm-hmm. uh, Chicago needs a three, uh, Sa- uh, Sacramento needs a three, if yeah. uh, even you, Orlando could possibly need a three as well. I don't think McHale or Miles like, are going to go there. Done but. with LeBron, like they could take a three. It's entirely mm-hmm. possible. If both of the bridges are off the board yeah. at nine, then to me the shift in thought process goes. Do we go with the next available three, which would be Kevin Knox? Yep. Or do I start thinking about what Dave said? I need a big, someone who can play the five. I'm either going with a Wendell Carter or a Robert Williams, who would probably be the next two bigs on the board available. Yeah. It could be a stretch, but like Robert that's, Williams is. Wendell Carter. That's, Wendell Carter. Like, see, yeah. That's what I think of. And it's like, to me... I feel like point guard at nine after just drafting Frank. Like, if you draft a point guard this year, you're saying to Frank, you're not our future point guard. Yeah, you're saying you're our future, too. Exactly. Which is, I I don't think is a big deal. And I don't think, well, I don't think you have to make that decision with the, hey, let's go with this point guard when there's so many other players you can take to fill out a team at a different position. It's like, if you believe Frank's going to be your future one, don't fucking go away from that after one year well go into that give them another year to develop into it and go with a different position i would probably take if it was knox carter or williams i'd probably then go with what dave was saying oh let's move to the five discussion and take a wendell carter well again just with the frank thing again if they <laughs> if they believe he's their future one right then obviously don't take a one yeah. but looking at what frank has brought this year and again you, you have to take in how he's going to progress mm-hmm. i just don't think he's going to be a, a, a one in the nba 
I think that you know he could possibly be a spot-up shooter on the outside. He's got a decent stroke. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that come up a little bit. It's not consistent yet, but again, you're going to think that it's going to come around at some point. But I just don't see the passing ability yet for him to be a one in the NBA. And 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 again, he's going if he's able to develop that passing ability, and he's able to de- develop that court vision. He's going to be a disgusting one with his size and his speed. Uh, but then again, it's just it's just you know there's a lot for him to make up until he's a one in the NBA. And if there's a guy like Colin Sexton there who's already a one in the NBA, without a doubt in my mind, has that killer instinct uh, that I think is kind of lacking on this New York team. It's going to be something that is going to be hard for the the New York Knicks to pass up on because we we mentioned you know the bridges being off. Sexton's still going to be available. We talked about Trey Young possibly going at four, but Sexton's still going to be available at that nine spot. And if Sexton's available, you're going to pair him with Frank, Kristaps, Enos. Disgusting, in or my mind. Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's been moving up a lot of people's boards really quickly. That's a good point. Uh, I don't. I, I'm. I'm starting to get turned on this one. I think you're convinced me that like it. Dep- it really does depend on the roll of the dice. You know, if there is no. I. I think Knox is clearly a notch below the Bridges as far as threes are concerned. I know Miles mm-hmm. might be more of a four, but he's a tweener. He's a wing. Um, I agree. Knox is a is a step below. So I might then reconsider. I mean, Wendell Carter would be a nice add. I think that. He could pair well with Frank or with um, KP. KP. I think that he's done a lot of the dirty work for his team this year. Obviously, the second big on his team under Bagley, but at the same time, like he has a good shot, good defensively. He is able to uh, keep the basket or keep the area around the basket well guarded. I'm just at that point. You're right. If Br- if Bridges and Bridges are gone, and I'm down between Wendell and a couple point guards. That that kind of becomes spicy then because I think that there there's a case to move for a Shea Gilchrist Alexander that high up. I think there is a case to go with Wendell Carter. I Trey Young's just I don't know, man. If he's gone, he's gone, whatever. But like if if you're giving me the options, like I almost I want to go like full in on Ricky. If he's like, there at nine, take him. Why not? Why the- not just give it a shot? And you could pair, you know, one of the best shooting point guards we've seen mm-hmm. in recent history coming out of college. Already a good passer. With uh Frank being the two to cover up for him defensively. That's what I'm saying. And like those two together, yes, you you're gonna force uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. to play out of position at the three, but that's not the end of the world. I think that you can work around that. Who's gonna be the biggest star though? Out of, the, out of Tim Hardaway Jr., Frank, and Trey Young, who's gonna be the biggest star? I mean, it's Trey Young. It's Trey Young. So already. It, but no, make, it's, it's, fucking make Trey, Tim Hardaway play the three. It's like, the money. I don't care it's about the fit. It's uh, are you gonna win games? Like mm-hmm. I mean, that's the yeah. Thing. But I mean, that's like, what you're trying to do. Here, again, Sean. Well, Tim, trying to win games again. But Tim Hardaway is a thing where yes, you paid him eighteen million dollars, but paying him eighteen million dollars doesn't mean that he should be He's in your future. He, he, well, that, not even that, but he should be in the starting lineup. Like it, it, you should be Yikes. able to, you should be able to move around these players in, in into the best fit. Again, I'm not saying Tim Hardaway has been well, bad this year, but again, you want to be able to win games. You have to be able to what's doing best for your team and have the right fit on your floor. So if Tim Hardaway is coming off the bench and still playing 30 minutes, I don't think it's a big deal. But you want to have the best rotations out there, and maybe you, when Frank gets you know tired, you're able to switch him and Trey Young out, and you have a you know offensive a one-two core basically. Yeah. You're saying at the guard, like again, like just coming off the bench, I think is a, a negative stereotype. But being a six man is is still you know, a, a major it. part. Yeah, and, and I mean Lou Williams has made a name from it. Jamal Crawford's made, made a name from it. And again, I don't think anyone believes Tim Hardaway is is going to be a star in the NBA. And being paid eighteen million dollars doesn't mean you should be a starter in the NBA. It means that you deserve eighteen million dollars to be an NBA team because you could still serve a valuable role to that team. But it doesn't Joe mean Camilla. that at, at any fucking well, <laughs> reason that you should be a fucking starter. Look at Timofey as well. And here's another yeah. thing I think about when it comes to this draft with the Knicks is. No matter who you take 
we'll just lock them in at nine because we don't know what's going to happen with the lottery. And yeah, stuff. we'll open it up in a little bit. No matter who you take there, are they going to make you a playoff team? Probably not. And the thing that I'm doing is the thing that I would do if I was a GM or the owner is I'm looking forward. All right. Like, and the thing where I'm kind of almost in my head, almost being like, I'm not shutting the point guard out completely now in the first round is Mm -hmm. looking to next year's draft where the top two point guards that people are projecting are either going to be quickly who's committed to Mm -hmm. um, Kentucky or um, Darius Garland, who's connected are committed to Vandy. Those are the top two guys right now. Of course, anything can happen in a college season. Or are you going to bank on, all right, let's get that Colin Sexton now, and then maybe we can have a possibility to get a guy like a ball ball next year. Get What if we're 1-2 and we can get a Zion or a R.J. Barrett but, in the draft next year? Because I think the Knicks aren't going to be at a point where it's like we're in the playoffs. Why next is that year. though? I mean, right now this team is again eleventh in the East, and mm-hmm. it's not great. But again, this team when KP was healthy wasn't bad on the floor. I mean, they were still they weren't like they weren't a great team, but mm-hmm. they still were in the playoff hunt when and KP I mean, was healthy. Free agency, they can bring stuff in for free agency. I just with the draft alone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's enough to push them to a playoff team. If they get LeBron, then yeah, they're a playoff. Team. I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you. I'm not saying LeBron though. One thing, yeah, that Jeff you Horn- just pointed at free agency. I was like, one, I got to throw that out. One there. thing that Jeff Hornacek. I was going to actually mm-hmm. take the the, the 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 conversation in that direction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jeff Hornacek said that uh, the inclusion of the triangle last year drove away free agents from the New mm-hmm. York Knicks. Well, so now, now the triangle's gone. Yeah, now being away from the triangle, now having that extra year, now having KP, now having that possibility mm-hmm. of playing with Trey Young. That you know, NBA players have come out and, and Susan LeBron is an example have come out and said that they want you know would want to play with him. Yeah. Um, again, that could be something that's very enticing for free agency. And again, we see a ton of wings in the NBA. Again, we see a ton of point guards as well. But if you mm-hmm. have a five lockdown in Enos, if you have a four lockdown in in Kristaps, mm-hmm. you have a two lockdown in Frank, and you're able to address the one or three in the draft, and then throw money at one of those other p- positions uh, to fill that hole. I think this Knicks team could possibly be uh, again an Eastern Conference that might be weakened with LeBron gone. Fuck, they could be a playoff team. And for me yeah. personally, around that area, like an eight seed. I think that's crazy. <laughs> Nick fans don't get too excited because I'm hoping he, that the Bulls wise up and uh, draft him at eight if that's where we're at. But like, if Trey Young's gone because he's the only prospect that we've mentioned that would be a for sure, I'm going ahead and taking him at nine if he's there. But I would love to get a Mikael Bridges just because of what he can bring to a team defensively. Mm-hmm. And like, he's not no slouch offensively as well, where it's like, you know what? Give me that, and I don't even care if I draft that three. And then I know people will be like, well, if you get LeBron, you're getting a three as well. No, you get LeBron, you're getting everything. You're getting every position. You get one through one five, player. baby. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the – if I'm a Nick fan, that's the player that I would really want is a Mikhail Bridges because of what he can bring to the Knicks defensively. Because as a Bulls fan, I want him on the Bulls. I want him to when be Jake, a Bulls pick. Jake was saying that he wants him on the 76ers, too. So Everyone I think, should want Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, I think this is a, a sexy pick in, in Mikhail Bridges. I mean, again, he's a he's a modern-day wing. But and like you said, he goes early as, you know, five, we're thinking yeah. right now. And that's where I'm like, I don't think he, I don't think there's any mm-hmm. circumstance where the Knicks get him at nine. Well, let's broaden this out because, again, this is the NBA lottery. Anything yeah. can happen. So we can mm-hmm. open this up to any pick. What prospects best fit them? Obviously, we've mentioned McHale. We've mentioned Miles. Are there any other players that are in this top three, in this top five, that could possibly really put the Knicks 
into the or, you know really draw the Knicks attention. Or we we talked about Bagley before with uh, nice fits for Bagley. Bagley on the Knicks could be nice with with him mm-hmm. and KP. Uh, you know, possibly getting a Mo Bamba with a with a rim protector Mo there. Mo Bamba would be kind of crazy. Um, or the fun. length down low. Or hey, maybe if they get their own pick, hello Luka Doncic, be exciting. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I'm just saying, like the the only guys I don't like fit wise for them would be. And that even sounds stupid, like Jaron Jackson. No, not Jaron. Uh, Michael Porter. Michael mm-hmm. Porter is a question mark because I just don't his health the way it is, and if he comes back, if he's more of a four than a three, like it forces KP to play in a position he doesn't love or doesn't love to play. Well, and then you have a four or five that are consistently injured. Yeah, I mean that's that's not what you want. Outside of him, any pick in the top ten, like our top ten consensus top ten, basically, I, I would be happy with any one of those guys walking away as Nick. I don't think there's a mm-hmm. bad fit amongst them. That, I mean, that's a crazy thing. It's like this is a team, like you said, they have two centerpieces. They think for the future with KP and Frank, and you could hit one through ten as long as you get a guy there. Like I think there's an opportunity. You know who would be really interesting on the Knicks because yeah. like the comment section this week has been like, oh, you can't build around him. He wouldn't be a good fit when we were talking about um, the Hawks last week. But if they were in a position, they fell in the right spot. Got him, Obamba. Then it's like, all right, KP can play the four. That's a position that he likes to play because mm-hmm. Mo would be our center. Right. And we're not necessarily building around a defensive center. Yeah, you're our defensive center, but we've got KP, who's an also big, who can is defensive but is offensive as well. So it's not like we have to build he's just an all around player. Yeah, he's an all round <laughs> player. What? That was the, the weirdest description. But, like, Mo Bamba could be a good fit for the Knicks as well. If they rose in the lottery and got maybe, like, a three or a four. Well, I think that's one thing that makes Bagley so interesting for the Knicks, mm-hmm. at least in my mind, is, is probably a, a prospect that's super interesting. But would you play Bagley at the him. five? Um, or would you play him at the four and do what Dave said, move KP to a position he doesn't like playing? I don't think it really matters. I think offensively you can just find spots for him because it, it, you know offensively he's going to be playing more where a five would play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And KP would be playing more where a four would play. Um, and then defensively you can just he, make He just the doesn't switch. play defense. I mean, who cares? Yeah, and that's the thing. But that's the thing. Chris does. no one on— well, that's the thing. Yeah, Kristaps has so great you'll be reach. able to you'll be able to hide some of that because uh, Marvin Bagley's not good defensively at all. Like, yeah, terribly. Yeah, teams teams abused him every game during the playoffs, like it was, or during the playoffs during the tournament. tournament. Um, but that's the thing is like, do you want to take a guy with Kristaps who has the mobility to play outside and shut down stretch fours and stretch fives and force him to go inside and make sure be more of a rim protector? Like, I don't know. I mean, it it gives them a different look. I'm not saying if it's you know, necessarily going to be better than what they have right now because Cantor is not exactly known for his defensive prowess, but mm-hmm. he still has come a long way from where he started, where it was just mm-hmm. an absolute joke to have him on the court for defense. But I don't know. I think Bagley, just the intensity, the, the energy he brings, and the, the quickness, you know, there's the ability to learn defense there, I believe. I don't think it's a Joss situation where this kid is just like, he ain't doing it. I think it's more like a cat situation? No, I... He, Cat physically is better than Bagley, I think. Um, but well, yeah. Bagley's no slouch. So yeah. I mean, like physically, I mean, Cat's yeah, that's, just that's bigger, what I'm saying. Like he's, he's just he's quicker, bigger, longer, yeah. and yeah. Uh, but but then again, I mean, we've seen that, and again, you could have all the the, the, the physicals, and yeah. I mean, look at DeAndre. Ayton. I mean, you, you just might not be able to play defense because either you don't care, or you just you're you're not able to play defense for some Ain't reason. Ain't gonna do it. Um, but. I think again with the Knicks, you can go uh, many different directions, and then that's obviously going to affect their their free agency. Um, and and this team has some money. Um, if especially if they're able to somehow unload uh, Joe Kim Noah's contract, uh, this could be something that you know you look at uh, you know this team. And again, we're saying that they're probably a couple pieces away from the starting lineup. And if that 
means Frank's at the one, Tim Hardaway's at the two, you still just need to th- fill the three and the five. If you're able to fill the the one, or you're able to fill the three during the draft, then you just have to fit the one and the five, or the two and the five. So, uh, or yeah, the one and the five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, again, there's a ton of different ways the Knicks can go. It's just really about um, making sure that you you're able to fit the right pieces. Um, I'm saying at least culturally, because um, if you're not a, a great fit culturally in New York, you're going to get absolutely tar- torn apart. So hmm. I think you have to look at you know strong little players, strong minded players. Um, and that's why I look at a guy like Miles Bridges has been through a lot at Michigan State, has had a great coach um, in Tom Izzo. I think that could be huge right there. Marvin Bagley being a part of uh, you know uh, Coach K system could be a, a great fit. Luca, if they're somehow up at that position to take him, he's mm-hmm. shown a lot of maturity. Um, he's a true professional. I think that could be something super interesting. Um, but then maybe going away from players like Mo Bamba, where I'm not saying you know mentally he's not there, but a guy that hasn't been put in a ton of pressure, um, a guy that had a lot to deal with in the Texas the Texas program. But again, is it uh, enough to where he's you know mentally strong enough to handle New right. York? Um, and if he's not able to produce right away and they're expected to win, especially if they get a big free agent splash, we'll be able to handle it. So I think the biggest thing with, with the Knicks is a lot of the players that are in this draft, and especially in the top 10, will fit their mindset or fit their, their scheme, but you got to find a player that's at least smart uh, and, and at least going to be able to uh, fit, the, fit the scheme. So that's why I look at, uh, like I mentioned, Miles Bridges um, and then Colin Sexton as well because we look at that three-on-five situation. And again, he's been with Avery Johnson, who's been in the league uh, as a coach and a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know those two have the right it factors to really fit in New York. Um, same with Trey Young as well, uh, just because he had so much pressure on mm-hmm. him and has dealt with a ton of media already. Yeah. Throw him in New York, I think he's going to be fine. Um, but with the Knicks, do you think this is probably the last draft that they'll have in the top 10, especially if they have a good year next year and KP's able to stay healthy? Do you think that they hit the hit on this top, draft? Top 10, yes, but I still think they could be a lottery team next year. Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah top, top 10. 10, yes, this could be the last one, but you could be 11 or 12 next year, so it's not that big of a difference. Yeah, I think they're still a lottery team. I mean, it's the East, like you said. Anything can happen where they waltz into the playoffs and somehow. They could be the 76ers. And we make that well, we make, expect the 76ers. No, 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 but I'm saying, like, not. oh, they're not going to make the playoffs, and then, yeah, they do. Or, like, the Bulls last year. That was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I just, I probably expect them to be in the same general range next year. You know, in between, you know, 7 and 12 is probably my best bet. I think they won't be they won't be the worst team in the league, um, but there's enough talent on this team to carry them through. If they are nailed in at nine, do they move up? Do they try to move up to get a guy that they need, like a Bridges? I uh, that's the question. Is what what are you moving to give to get up? I mean, what are you giving up to get to move up? Yeah, that's what I'm I'll be futures. For sure. I mean, there's not a lot of players. That I was gonna say, I'm really... not selling my future to move up just for like a Bridges or something. I'll just I mean, Bridges stay is the nine. ultimate three and D player. But, but if this, but if, if they're one piece away, then why why not sell the future? Then but... I'll I'll wait. Next draft is gonna be just as low as this one. I'll wait for next year. One piece away. Every team thinks they're but always this is one New York. piece away. I can't wait. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're a LeBron James. Away. I say that team suffer how long? Like they they've been waiting all their lives. I, I ain't going to that. The one thing that I do think <laughs> would be insane though for New York, just in general, the city. Yeah. Could you imagine if the Jets and the Knicks both took Oklahoma players, Baker Mayfield and Trey Young coming to New York? I feel like Rudy's really trying to sell me on Trey Young to the Knicks. No, 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 like but the I'm best just, like, I was trying to do that. He brought it up, I'm and I'm like, could you imagine if that ha- just for a city of New York, the most polarizing Oklahoma players this year both come to the city at the same time? 
I, mean, I don't know. I think, that'd be, really, I think oh. that'd be really cool. For I don't this. think it matters. Is, is New York Oklahoma big care more than New fans? York? Yeah. It would be it would be an Oklahoma thing. It wouldn't be a New York thing. Nobody from I, New York would care. I think it would be a thing in like NFL NBA talk. Nah. I mean, Oklahoma, where they have no other news, like that's some pretty big stuff. They might stuff say, going like, on. which one's going to be better? Mm-hmm. Like, which player? Yeah. Which rookie's going to be better? Yeah. Anyways. We'll compare different sports. Final thoughts on the New York Knicks and their and their draft prospects. Any Anything that re- you really wants to stick out? Are you, are you sold on Trey Young, Dave? I mean, you guys are making a compelling case if he's that's available if he's there. at nine. Like, if he's at nine, why not? You if hide he's at defici- nine, why you, not? You hide Frank's deficiencies on mm-hmm. offense. You hide Trey's deficiencies, deficiencies on, on defense. defense. I think that would be, yeah. Lock me in for Trey Young. If he's available at nine, <laughs> I got him there. If he's not, I'm looking. Yeah, if, if Trey's gone and Mikhail's gone, I'm going wild card on this shit. I'll I, go like Shea jumps into the conversation. And like, I don't want to say this because it's kind of like there's always one of these in every draft, but I kind of feel like if they slot in at nine, mm-hmm. there's really a can't miss. They can only t- they can almost take any. Well, here's the thing: they can Even, take a point guard, they could take a small forward, they could take a big. And you could be happy but, with that pick at But nine. also, they might be able to fill what they need, but they might p- take the wrong player because there's so many yeah. players that fit Un- that mold. Like, unless, if they take Shea and they, count, and they pass and Colin, Colin Sexton, Sexton pops off. And, or, you know, yeah. if Colin Sexton becomes That's, like the Donovan Mitchell, bar, you're screwed. Barring we get a Papa John situation Ooh. from the Knicks here, which I don't think they will, but we didn't think Bullet the boys. Knicks even or the pick, Kings would either. Even if their pick doesn't work out for them. They could just send him down to the Hawks for a couple years and pick him up on a fully loaded contract, <laughs> get him back after he came out of the hyperbolic time chamber, yeah. lock it down. There we go. That's where we're going to end it for the segment and also for the podcast, Dave Oster, with, uh, with the Atlanta, bringing the Atlanta Hawks in. <laughs> yep. uh, anyways, that's going to wrap it up for the podcast. Tell us who you think the biggest or the best fits uh, for the New York Knicks in this draft are. Let us know in the comments down below. If you listened on iTunes, big shout out to you. Don't forget to rate us five stars. The camera went dead, but we're almost done anyways. Uh, don't forget to rate us five stars on iTunes, the Primetime Podcast, the Rick and Johnny Podcast, the Fast Break Podcast, the Onside Kick, and the new Outcast. And mm-hmm. since we're at it, a new episode should be coming out this weekend. Yep. So definitely check it out um, on the YouTubes. Uh, they talked Final Four. They talked uh, Bulls, Bears, Bears Masters. Masters. So check Buzz and Juice out over there. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. We're mm-hmm. trying to get up. We're, we're over 10K due to we're you uh, beautiful you. people. We're almost at 10.2. There we go. So mm-hmm. that's a big shout out to everyone there. Um, if you're listening to Bug Talk Radio, huge shout out uh, to you as well. And don't miss anything from MVP by checking out mostvaluablepodcast.com or head over to patreon.com slash mostvaluablepodcast if you want to support us in a different way. Uh, but anyways, for Dave Oster, for Rick Boomer, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.